Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Hey, welcome back. This is Tyler Chef for another week of the Cashflow Guys podcast. This week, I want to talk about being direct to the seller and why it's important, why we need to be direct to the seller. And for those of you who are totally clueless what I'm talking about, being direct to the seller, allow me to explain. I teach people when you're out buying real estate, okay, you're functioning as a buyer in today's society. In order for you to do any sort of creative deal, anything that requires something outside of the box, anything short of a cash purchase or any sort of creative acquisition whatsoever, you've got to be direct to the decision maker. That's absolutely critical that you are direct to the decision maker. Here's what happens in today's society. We go out and we hire a realtor. Now, heck, I'm a realtor, okay? And we'll cover that in just a second, but we go out and hire a realtor and, or worse, we just go deal directly with a listing agent thinking that we're going to get a better deal because we're dealing directly with the listing agent. And understand this, the listing agent's getting paid by the seller. Okay, the listing agent has an agreement with the seller and is usually being compensated by the seller. So do you honestly think that you're going to be treated to the same degree the seller would? Now, I'm sure there's, they, there's all these different fancy words and, and, and definitions of, of how we're supposed to do this and fiduciary that and whatnot. But let's be honest, folks, you know, where's, your, where's the agent's meal ticket coming from? What do you expect them to do? I mean, can you really blame them for listening to and taking instruction from the person who's writing their check? Well, no, we can't. I mean, that's just realistic. But too often I find real estate investors of all calibers, beginning new, intermediate, getting hung up and not being able to do anything creative, not being able to negotiate seller financing terms, not being able to negotiate lease options, lease purchases, uh, contract for deed, nothing out of the, uh, except for cash or full finance deals because they're dealing with the gatekeepers. Now this presents a problem. If you are, if you're restricted to only pay cash or only use a bank loan and pay retail price, you're not going to get very far as a real estate investor. This is why in every instance, we've got to be in front of the seller. We've got to be there when our sellers are getting the offers presented. We actually have a right to be there as a buyer. I don't know if you realize this, but the National Association of Realtors Code of Ethics outlines where a buyer has the right to be present when their offer is being presented to a seller. Okay, buyer, I'm gonna say that again. Buyer has a right to be present when their offer is being presented to the seller. Now, in the old days, there was none of this emailing back and forth. I mean, it, it started with, it all fell apart with the fax machine, I think. It started with faxing. 
And then real estate agents, you know, they're lazy, non-confrontational. They would just fax an offer over to the other agent and hope it gets accepted. And then we went up to email. Now we're emailing and we're text messaging and doing all this other stuff, right? Nobody is is getting on the phone and having a conversation anymore. Nobody's meeting face-to-face and having good, solid discussions. That's, that's a thing of the past. We've grown into a cowardly, non-confrontational society. We view any sort of in-person dialogue, good, bad, or indifferent, as potentially confident or uh, confrontational. Therefore, most Americans avoid it at all costs. Many sellers hire a real estate agent just for this very reason, because most, a lot of people, shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people would rather hide their house and have somebody else do their dirty work, i.e. sell their house, right? So ask yourself this question. If you're an investor and you want to do any sort of creative acquisition and you have to work through a realtor, well, I'm here to tell you, you're dead in the water before you even start. So let's talk about some of the solutions. How can you work around this? Well, number one, you can hire a realtor that has a clue to represent you. You can hire a buyer's agent that is willing to present your offers for you. So what does that look like? How does that work? Well, it's like this. You hire a buyer's agent and pay them well. Yes, I said pay them. But, but Tyler, buyer's agents are paid by the seller. Well, there's the first problem with the real estate community. How about changing the game and setting it up so that the real estate agent, your buyer's agent, that's representing you and your needs, how about setting it up so that you compensate them instead of the seller? How about writing the offer that way? The seller shall not be responsible for the buyer's agent commission. Tell them that. Some of you thinking, well, there's no way. I don't want to pay a real estate agent. Well, understand, you're paying them indirectly, whether you like it or not. You're not getting around paying them. I hate to tell you. That's just not, gonna, just not how it works. Yes, the seller comes out of the seller's proceeds, but at the end of the day, the seller agrees on what offer to accept based on what their net take is, correct? Because what happens behind the scenes is your, your, your real estate agent, your listing agent, does what they call a seller net sheet, at least they should, to tell the seller what their their net results are going to be. So usually it's, there's a purchase price, there's closing costs, real estate commissions, and taxes, and then they get whatever's left over. And obviously got to pay off their mortgage and whatnot. So sellers look at this and going, hmm, what if you could add 3 4 5% back to the seller's bottom line by eliminating the discussion of real estate commission? How big of a difference could that be? And a lot of you are probably thinking, well, Tyler, the simple solution is I just won't hire an agent. Well, I'm back to asking you this very question. Are you in a position to get direct with the seller? And the answer for most people is no. Well, why is that? Well, number one, most agents are going to fight you tooth and nail to allow that to happen. Frankly, I welcome it on my listings, but I can't find any agents that actually have the guts to try to present an offer to a seller. Gosh darn, they might say no, and that would be painful. We couldn't have that now, could we? My point is this, people have to get, have to be, have to hear your offer. They have to understand the offer, especially if it's creative sellers. If they don't understand the offer, what is the answer going to be? The answer is always going to be no. People fear what they don't understand. And when they don't understand something, the offer is automatically going to be no without a doubt. We don't have to argue that point at all. We already know 
but people fear what they don't understand. They're going to say no. They're going to retreat into their safe and happy place, and then everything falls apart, and they take the next offer. There's nothing worse than a seller losing, uh, not even realizing that a great offer for them was overlooked because the buyer was unable to explain it to the seller because the, the agents took over and got in the way. Now, back in the old days, deals were done differently. Back in the old days, listing agent, buyer's agent, buyer and seller sat together at a table and had a conversation like grown-ups. Nobody was on Facebook. Nobody had a cell phone back then. And deals were done with a, with a handshake and a good look in the eye. And then you went on to closing a couple weeks later. Real, e- real easy, right? Back in the day, seller financing was how things got done because banks didn't really give home loans that often. And then we got into the 50s and the 40s and 50s and home loans became a thing, right? And then when the home loans, the interest rates in the late 70s, early 80s skyrocketed, believe it or not, many of you probably are are too young to remember, but interest rates at one point, they got into the over 20% range. That was prime. That means your mortgage on your house. The interest rate was higher than the credit card in your wallet right now. How about that? Could you imagine that? Well, what happened when interest rates skyrocketed is, lo and behold, people had to sit down at that kitchen table again and have those discussions. This is what Larry Harbolt teaches us. And this is why it's so effective. See, Larry's been able to build a nice portfolio because he has the ability to sit down and talk to people and have a conversation with human beings, not a text message chat a smoke signal, fax machine, email type of thing. No, no. They sit down face-to-face, and everybody has a smile, and they have a good conversation. Hey, Mr. Seller, why are you selling? What are you going to do with that money once I, once, once I hand you this big old check? And that's what the kind of type of conversations that go on. This is how we should be doing business, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is society, well, we've become wimps is what it comes down to. We've become cowards. In society, yes, I said cowards. We hide behind technology. We hide behind our computer screen. You ever see that big hot shot on Facebook? It's always got a big mouth, but you meet them in person, and they shake your hand, and there's a big wet fish. How many of you know people like that that are all brave and mighty on Facebook, that you either never see them in person because they're hiding in their mom's basement, or they've got some, they're just, they never come out in public at all, and if you even, even ever do meet them and you shake their hand, it's like shaking a dead fish. Kind of scary. Maybe these folks shouldn't be direct to seller because the sellers could eat them alive, right? Chew them up and spit them up like a wolf. My point is this. Because we exist in a society where everybody is scared of everybody else, understand that the seller is as scared of you as you are of them. So understand that going in, first of all. The seller is as scared and nervous as you are. After all, they're getting ready to negotiate and to receive money. And if they don't do a good job, they're going to receive less money. Yes, you may decide to spend more money, but they're going to decide to accept less money. Talk about a painful scenario. Not a good place to be. So with that, let's talk about getting direct with the sellers. How do we do this? A couple different ways. One, find an agent. And this is going to take good old-fashioned pick up the phone, calling lots of agents until you find one that is comfortable presenting offers to sellers directly. Here's a good test.
when you call them, when you talk to, to a real estate agent, ask them, are you comfortable presenting an offer directly to a for sale by owner? Many agents will dance around this. If you don't get anything besides an of course, a, oh, hell yeah, or something like that, then the answer really is no, folks. They're just dancing around it. Let's call it like we see it, right? They're just blowing smoke up your skirt. That's what, that's what all they're doing. They're scared of submitting offers. Why they have a real estate license, I have no idea because writing offers and submitting offers shouldn't be a scary thing. It's just part of life. It's like, hey, I want to buy your house and I don't want to pay what you're asking. I want to pay this. No. Oh, okay. Don't tell me what you won't do. Tell me what you will do. Larry Harbaugh taught me that. It works like a charm, like a charm, right? So then we've got, we've got that strategy, finding a, a real estate agent. And I, I am confident that you can find, if you try hard enough, you will find a real estate agent that is not afraid of presenting offers. I know this sounds bizarre that there would be such a thing as a real estate agent that's afraid to submit offers, but I'm here to tell you, probably 98% of real estate agents are completely terrified of presenting an offer to a seller unless they are the listing agent. So you're going to meet with some frustration over that. That's fine. That, that just means that you don't need those, those uh, agents working for you. Because at the end of the day, they're working for you. Again, we talked about taking the commission off the table. Offer to compensate your, your buyer, your buyer's agent. Well, geez, Tyler, I'm already getting trying to get a no money down deal as it is. Well, maybe you can have the agent carry a note and a mortgage in second position for their commission. How about instead of taking their commission check all at once, they take monthly payments and you pay them 6 7% interest on top of that. I love getting paid that way. I would much rather have my commission broken up over, well, as long as you'll let me, 10 years, than to take a check at the closing table. Well, for starters, why? You're probably wondering now, but for starters, why is because I don't have to pay taxes as much taxes on a commission that comes in the form of a note. And you're thinking, what do you mean you don't pay as much taxes? Well, it's real simple. If you give me 10,000, say I earn a $10,000 commission right now into 2018, and I take payments for my commission, I only have to pay income tax on what I receive in 2018. In 2019, I also have to pay income tax on what I receive in 2019. But you see, the difference is, is that in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, I can call my boy Charles Shapiro over at Widget Bookkeeping, my accountant, my CPA, and say, hey, Charles, um, I've got a big commission check coming. I've got this much money coming in over the next five years. Please help me build a tax plan that will help mitigate my tax liability. And I'm willing to bet you that a good CPA will be able to help you come up with a tax plan that will help you mitigate future taxes. How about that? See, the, one thing that the CPAs have always told me is they can't really help me with what's already happened. In other words, if I already screwed it up, it's too late. The only thing they can fix is what's going forward. They can't go back and unwind the past. And I know you can do amended returns and all that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, ideally, from tax planning perspective, it has to be a forward-looking objective. Okay, It has to be forward-looking. So keep that in mind. Forward-looking. So you get with your CPA, off you go. I don't want to get off on a big tax tangent. I'm not a CPA. Don't pretend to be one. However, um, getting back to the original thing here. So we can't, let's say we have a hard time finding a real estate agent. Well, then the next step is if we have to, we, we go to a listing agent 
You tell the listing agent, hey, I'd like to make an offer. When would be a good time that you and I could sit down with the seller and do this together, the three of us? Some agents be like, I'm perfectly capable of presenting the offer myself. I understand that. But you know, John, like I do, that if I tell you the roof is blue and you tell the seller that the roof is blue and the seller tells his Aunt Susie the roof is light blue and things get changed and the seller may have questions for my offer that I have, have not explained to you because I don't know what those answers are because I don't know the questions. And it's just a heck of a lot more convenient if you and I and the seller sit down together and have this conversation. So as I was saying, I'm available Tuesday at 3 or Wednesday at 9 a.m. Which one works for you? I'll even buy the coffee. How about Starbucks? Dunkin' Donuts? Whatever floats your boat. Yes, you're going to get some pushback. Yes, you're absolutely going to get some pushback. But if you want to get your deals accepted, if you want to get anything creatively done, if you want to negotiate a price reduction effectively, you better bet your bippy that you're going to have to get direct with the seller. That said, don't cut out the agents. If the, if the seller has a, 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 is being represented by an agent, a real estate agent, or an attorney, don't try to go around them. That's an agreement they have in place. Obviously, they want representation. Don't strong-arm them into, take, into not being allowed to have representation because that will blow up in your face. So don't do that. But see, they can have representation when you're presenting the offer. Their representation is sitting right there. And frankly, they can go leave that meeting and go talk to their agent all they want. Nothing wrong with that. My point is, I just want you to be able to present your offer, present your case directly to the seller. Nothing wrong with the agent being there at all. Let's go on to wholesalers. Wholesalers, I got to tell you, I am, it's unfortunate that I run into so many bad ones. I, I, they must seek me out. There's a lot of good wholesalers out there that provide value. And here's what a, providing value means. You find a buyer. Let's say you, somebody like me, you want to be a wholesaler for me. I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer of, of multifamily buildings, concrete block, pitch roofs in the Tampa Bay area and Memphis, Tennessee, right? Not rocket science. So let's say you're, you're a wholesaler for me. What that looks like is you're not going to go out and get anything under contract until you and I have had a discussion about the property, until you understand how I buy, what my buying criteria is, and how I get to my price points. Then and only then shall you enter into a contract for me. But here's what goes on in today's world. And this, I talked about this a couple episodes ago and why wholesalers fail. Why wholesalers fail is because they go out and get things under contract based purely on assumptions. They have no idea what their buyer is willing to pay. They base everything on assumptions. They always assume wrong in most cases. And then the deal falls apart. This happens especially with newbie wholesalers. You have to first understand what your buyers are buying. Nothing drives me crazier, but when I see, and this happens, I can't, this happens every week, it seems like. Some dude wearing his baseball hat backwards, pants around his ankles, going on about how he's got this 700 unit property under contract. And if you can just provide a proof of funds letter, for the $68 million project, and I'm just sitting there rolling my eyes going, you got to be kidding me. This happens a lot, and they've, they've, it was one thing in the, in the residential side. Fine, they drive realtors crazy, right? But now they're over in the commercial side of things. Now they're in multifamily. They're locking up everything they can or claiming to have it locked up 
And meanwhile, real buyers, legitimate buyers, are getting their time wasted. And more importantly, the seller is getting their time wasted because their needs are not being represented. Here's the deal. When you're working with a wholesaler, the wholesaler should have an understanding of why the seller is selling. They should understand the seller's pain and they should be providing offers on your behalf, not just negotiating whatever works. So I won't deal with a wholesaler unless I can be talk to the seller at the same time. And frankly, I'm not going to pay them an assignment fee if they haven't earned it, if they haven't done anything. Just because you put a piece of paper in front of the seller's nose doesn't mean you've earned a paycheck there, bucko. You've got to provide some value. It's not about beating people up and, and trying to force them into closing on real estate. I had some knucklehead a couple months ago, last summer I think it was, that was running around locking things up and you know thought he was in the business for three months so he thought he knew everything. And he was filing all kinds of paperwork with the county. He was up in uh, Tennessee. Locking up people's houses and basically trying to strong arm them to sell. And if they didn't strong, if he, did, if he wasn't successful, he would cloud their title. And he kept doing this time and time and time again. Eventually, karma got the best of him. I think he got his, his butt in hot water, which he very well should have, because that's not how you do good business. And you see a lot of these wholesalers, they're just hustling. They really have nothing. So now if a wholesaler calls me, I, I insist that I see a copy of the contract. Before we have any other conversations, send me a copy of the contract, and then we'll continue. But unless you have a copy of a signed purchase and sale agreement, then we're not going to even have a conversation. And really, you shouldn't have a copy of a signed purchase and sale agreement because you and I don't know each other, which means you shouldn't be shopping for me anyway. But every once in a while, I feel nice and I, I humor them by listening to their numbers, which are usually manufactured. You see, because here's the thing. The only thing a wholesaler understands is cash. Yeah, man, I need all cash in like seven days, yo. Well, that's not how it works. Okay. Real investors take their time and do due diligence. Real investors solve problems. Fly-by-nights, those that are guaranteed to fail, those are the ones that buy these back pocket, seven-day or close, all cash only, you can't look at anything and give me $5,000 earnest money type garbage that's going on in the industry right now. So don't get yourself caught up in that stuff. Don't be in a rush, folks. There is no rush. And for that matter, when you do get direct to the seller, don't be rushed by the seller. This is why I always tell my students, make sure that you focus directly on solving problems. And when you're solving problems, you are looking at properties that you're, at least you should be looking for properties that are not for sale. That way, the only people that know the transactions even happening is you and the seller. Imagine how much smoother a transaction can go when there's no buying pressure, there's no competition, right? How much easier does it get if you're direct with the seller when there's not a line of people out the door trying to grab that seller's deed while it getting good? This is why I tell people just simply focus on what's not for sale. Now, one of like Larry Harbolt, he's a direct mail guy. I'm not a direct mail guy myself, but Larry Harbolt teaches to focus on non-owner occupied, uh, free and clear properties, free and clear properties. See, everybody else is, is working the probate list. Everybody's working the probate list. They're working the tax deed list. They're working the mortgage, the pre foreclosure list. 
here's the thing. If you're working pre-foreclosure, nine times out of 10, at least in my market, you're going to have to bring cash to those. So if you plan on using cash and being a cash buyer, knock yourself out, but you're not going to get too far as an investor because eventually you're going to run out of cash. Everybody does eventually. So you've got to think beyond that and you can't do creative deals a lot of times when you're dealing directly with a bank. If you have to deal with a bank at all, there goes any idea of creativity right out the window, unless it's some small bank. So for me, working with REOs or even pre-foreclosures, frankly, is a, is a colossal waste of time. Now, part of that is because I'm a, I'm a, a multifamily guy and they're not as prevalent you know, in, multi, in the multifamily side of things as they are in the single family. Of course, people default on multifamily notes as well. I'm just saying there's a lot more single-family pre-foreclosures than there are multifamily pre-foreclosures. So instead, I focus on things like management issues. Pay somebody to go sit at the, at the uh, at eviction court and write down names and numbers of landlords. Have the, some pay someone to go sit there every week for three months and then look whose name keeps popping up over and over again. That's somebody that you might want to talk to. Think about that. If their name keeps popping up over and over and over again, maybe you should be having a conversation with that landlord because that landlord is having a bad day. Maybe you should be having a conversation with the property manager because the property manager is probably having a bad day. Maybe you should, if the property manager is terrible, you definitely need to be talking to the seller because they obviously have a management issue and you can solve that by taking that property off their hands. I mean, heck, they're already looking for they already are doing this because they got used to monthly income. And when somebody decides to not pay the rent anymore, bye-bye monthly income. So let's keep them with what they know, shall we? Let's have them go with what you know. Well, you're already used to taking monthly payments, so let's just continue that tradition. Why try to change anything, right? So folks, I just want to reiterate, you've got to be direct to the seller anytime you're going to present an offer. Please be direct to the seller. Do not send offers over by text message, Facebook messenger, chat bot, or any of these other little electronic means. If your agent is emailing offers back and forth at this stage of the game in today's society, if they're just blindly sending offers, you're, they're wasting your time and they're wasting the seller's time. If that's the case, find a new agent right away because the one you're using is not giving you any advantage. Ladies and gentlemen, do good work, do good business, do just do the work. Getting financially free doesn't have to be rocket science, provided that you streamline your processes, streamline your systems. By simply changing this one thing about how you do your business, by being direct to sellers, you're going to write a lot less offers. And the ones you do write, the, the chances of them being accepted are going to be significantly higher, significantly higher. So I'm going to leave it right there for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you found some value. Don't forget to head on over to cashflowguys.tv, cashflowguys.tv. That's my YouTube channel. I'm working on some videos behind the scenes that I'm going to be posting up there soon. So make sure you go over to cashflowguys.tv and uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And I appreciate you coming out this week and we'll talk to you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.